Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. Did you know that on jamesmillerlifeology.com, you can enroll in the academy I created for listeners just like you? I've created courses you may take at your own pace, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Enroll in one of the classes today. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to remind you that your actions today affect your tomorrow. I'll also be interviewing Ralph Sanchez, who is passionate about enlightening others on the Alzheimer's disease pandemic with actionable steps for risk reduction and prevention. He is the author of The Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease, a book that connects the dots between type 2 and type 3 diabetes and Alzheimer's. For more information about Ralph and to purchase his book, please visit thealzheimerssolution.com forward slash lifeology. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Your actions today affect your tomorrow. This episode is really quite fascinating. You're going to learn something from Ralph Sanchez, who is very passionate about enlightening others on the pandemic of Alzheimer's disease. It's not meant to diagnose or to offer any treatment solutions, but to simply give you information that you can speak with your doctor about. But let's look at this from a broader standpoint. Everything we do today affects tomorrow. For example, if you decide to eat fast food for a week and that's all you eat, More than likely, your tomorrow, in other words, your next week, will probably show that you've gained weight. You'll probably be a little bit lethargic because you haven't had the nutrients that you need. And unfortunately, you set yourself up to not be as successful as you could be health-wise. Everything we do can affect our tomorrow. In other words, our actions or thoughts today affect how our next moment goes. So it's really important for us to eat, remember that everything is linked together. One of the most important things to remember is just even with our health. When we have physical movement in our life today, it allows for our body to be more functional tomorrow. That's especially true for people who are perhaps older. If they had started doing some type of exercise when they were younger, it's easier for them to maintain that or have stronger joints or stronger bones and ligaments as they age. So that's something that you can even think about today. It doesn't mean you have to go to the gym or you have to do that every single day, but some type of physical movement today improves your health tomorrow. Let's think of this in your mind as well. What we think today affects our tomorrow. Think back five years ago. What did you say about yourself? Did you say you were successful? Did you have a dream and a plan that you knew you were going to accomplish? And did you accomplish it? Or conversely, did you say, I'm a failure. I'm always going to stay at this job. Nothing ever changes in my life. And if that's the case, more than likely, what you prophesied, or in other words, what you said about yourself probably came true. And you probably aren't doing the things that you would like to do. The words that we have today 
impact our tomorrow. What we tell ourselves determines how powerful our self-encouragement is to move us through those times when it's incredibly difficult. When it seems like there is no hope or that we can't accomplish our dreams, what we tell ourselves today affects our tomorrow. Another really good way to look at this is this. Laughter is one of the most healthiest things you can do for yourself. When you laugh, it strengthens your heart. Another thing is when you laugh, it actually secretes the youth hormone by 80-something percent in your body. And I know we all want to look younger in some ways. So that's a simple thing you can do. The more laughter you have in your life, the younger it makes you look and the longer it helps you live. There is research that was done that shows that the majority of people who lived beyond their 90s all had that commonality. They all laughed. So it doesn't mean we have to do all these life-changing events. But simply when you look at life in a different way and allow laughter in your life, allow joy in your life, it affects your tomorrow and your tomorrow will then affect the next day. So each thing you do today gives you the foundation for tomorrow. So this is not meant to scare you or to cause you to feel any type of insecurity, but simply to let you know that we have a choice to determine how we're going to view life. Are we going to view it with joy regardless of life circumstances? Are we going to be proactive and allow physical movement in our life? Are we going to be more mindful of what we eat, what we say, what we think? And each time you do that, it creates a stronger foundation for a healthier tomorrow. So remember, your actions today really will impact your tomorrow, which impacts your future. A quick example of one of the courses you'll find in the Academy entitled Spirit, Mind, Body, The Perfect Triad. This non-religious course helps you understand how your intuition, or rather your gut, Your logic and your body all work together to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Enroll in the class today. My guest today is Ralph Sanchez, who is passionate about enlightening others on the Alzheimer's disease pandemic with actionable steps for risk reduction and prevention. He's going to also be reviewing his book, The Diabetic Brain in Alzheimer's Disease, a book that connects the dots between type 2 and type 3 diabetes in Alzheimer's. Welcome to my show, Ralph. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. I am as well. Alzheimer's disease is definitely very, it it is a pandemic. Many individuals struggle with it. In fact, I remember I had, um, when I, my show was just a podcast. I had a woman on my show. In fact, she's supposed to be on my show again very soon. Her name's Nancy Nelson. She actually has Alzheimer's. And the whole journey that she was going through, knowing that she has it and how her life has changed, it was quite an interesting interview as you talk to someone who has been diagnosed with it and has noticed many things have changed in her life. So it's going to be interesting to hear on your side as well, your story. What was it that kind of drew you to the whole topic or theme of Alzheimer's and what you've done with it since then? So once again, thank you for being a guest on my show today. I really am looking forward to this conversation. Yes, thank you again, James. Like I said, I'm really looking forward to sharing this information and as you mentioned, what drove me to it, it's uh-huh. a personal story, and sure. it's one that um, I think everybody uh, should um, look inward a little bit about their own possible um, risk for a dementia or Alzheimer's as they age. Well, let's talk about that. What, what happened with you that you, because you've been doing this for what, some 20 some years? Yes, I've been very heavily into the research and understanding the, um, what is called the etiology, the underlying mm-hmm. causes to, to dementia and Alzheimer's disease. I was in practice. I had an integrative functional nutrition practice in Southern California. I was, um, I had graduated from uh, acupuncture school and had gone on to um, study a paradigm of medicine that's referred to as functional medicine, Mm -hmm. and uh, was really impressed by 
the message that it conveyed of that was uh, oriented toward really looking at people's health in a in a very comprehensive way, uh, rather than uh, just going after a diagnosis and treating the diagnosis. So it, it was very much oriented towards what's called a patient-centered model mm-hmm. versus a disease-centered model. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, so, there's a difference in it, that's for sure. Yeah, there's a huge difference because most of what's going on in Western medicine is a disease-centered model. Mm-hmm. You know, you're given a diagnosis, you're given a drug for it, and you're out the door, so to speak. Not many doctors take the time because they can't afford to take the time. They're in an insurance uh, program, and, you know, you have to go in and out uh, quickly. Uh, But the idea of functional medicine was merging the best of Western medicine, the science and technology, which is fabulous, but also bringing in more of the the complementary paradigms of medicine that that want to look at the person's entire health you know and what has come together you know their lifestyle um, uh, issues with diet uh, history uh, genetics you know whatever it may be that's merging together converging together into a disease expression and and so for me uh, you know those lessons that uh, I was already oriented that way um, naturally because that's what drove me to acupuncture school I had health issues and I was looking for answers and studying nutrition on my own and whatnot and then I, I found almost by accident uh, Chinese medicine which was uh, fabulous but I knew going in I was going to be very integrative and uh, through that process, I began to realize that I had a risk for dementia as I aged. Oh, really? Yeah. How did, how did you How did you discover that? Well, you know, I, I through uh, my reading and research and just my general understanding of um, of uh, what what it is uh, what it is that uh, comes together. Mm-hmm. You know, to start. Uh, uh, raising your risk for uh, Alzheimer's or dementia as you age. And I had had a very serious brain trauma when I was uh, younger. Uh, I hit a telephone pole, my head hit the windshield. Oh I had gosh. a really severe concussion. They thought I was going to um, pass away. Um, and I had s- s- serious neurological problems from that uh, that lasted for years. And uh, I still have some leftover uh, stuff from that, you know. Oh wow, I'm so sorry. But, yeah, well, you know, uh, it it it's all of these things that happen to us, uh, good or bad. They're they're life lessons, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure, they are. Uh, yeah, and so uh, reading through material, you know, this is a well-known entity in boxers. It's called dementia pugilistica. <laughs> oh, you know where. Yeah. And then, of course, it's become a really a big issue in terms of football and sports right now with uh, concussions and the risk for uh, serious um, psychological and neurological problems Mm -hmm. because of it. So in reading material like that and also realizing that I had a very serious exposure uh, to pesticides Mm. and, and mercury. And uh, I was still grappling with how I could get healthier because in many ways I was not feeling that great. 
And, uh, you know, through, through functional medicine, I really started to understand, you know, how to look at these things and how to, how to evaluate a problem. So I, I started doing some testing, and sure enough, my mercury levels were off the chart. Uh, you don't need to test for mes- uh, pesticide exposures. You know, if you're exposed, you're exposed, that's and right. that's a serious, serious um, issue. Uh, it's uh, related to a lot of neurological problems like Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and realizing all of that, I go, oh, my God, you know, I, I really have a risk here that if I don't take control, could really morph into something more serious later on. Wow. And uh, as I started looking at the research, I became actually quite fascinated by it, uh, especially uh, running into uh, the reference to a genetic risk factor for mm-hmm. Alzheimer's disease. It's the most validated one and one that's actually talked about a lot. It's called APOE4. The four stands for a variant of the APOE gene. And uh, 20 to 25 percent of the population have um, at least one copy of that APOE4 gene. Oh, I didn't realize and it was 25 percent. Wow. Yeah, up to 25 percent. And, you know, it depends on the reference you're reading. Some say 20, some say 25. So let's say 20, between 20 and 25 to be safe. Wow. But anyways, uh, when I saw that having one copy could double or triple your risk, and two copies could as much as 10 to 15 times your risk for Alzheimer's disease. And I thought, oh, my God. And this was back in uh, around the year 2000 when I ran into that information. And nobody, nobody back then was talking about risk factors mm-hmm. for Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, they, were all, they were all just wondering, what causes it? Why is this? You know, what are the... Uh, underlying issues that uh, make this happen. In yeah, people. I remember that time period, sure. Yeah, and uh, I started looking at the research and started reading all about plaques and tangles. Mm-hmm. Those are the two uh, lesions, the uh, characteristic lesions of Alzheimer's disease. Started studying what causes them. Over a few years, I started to see research that started to go in a very progressive direction and saying, you know, plaques and tangles are really kind of the, um, what I call the death and destruction of war after all the battles have been waged. So there's a lot that goes on, you know, in the process of those lesions that spans, we now know, James, that this disease process spans 20 to 30 years. Wow. So if you're diagnosed with Alzheimer's, one in 10 Americans will be diagnosed uh, with Alzheimer's after 65, and that increases to three out of 10 over the age of 80. So if you're diagnosed, say, at 70 years old, well, that disease process probably started around 45 to 50 years old. Mm. Yeah, because there's a lot of stuff that goes on that starts to push, you know, those... um, those disease processes in the body and the brain. And that's the message in my book in the Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease is this uh, 
association between what's going on in the body, particularly issues related to type 2 diabetes and heart disease, and how that really raises significantly the risk for Alzheimer's disease as one ages. Well, I was so, going to ask you that because when the whole diabetic aspects, you know, specifically go into your book, you talk about the, the third, I guess, the, the type 3 diabetes. What is that? Well, that's something that emerged around 2005, and that caught my eye instantly. There mm-hmm. was a study that was looking at a lot of the what are referred to the pathomechanisms, mm-hmm. and those are just the uh, me- mechanistic molecular and biochemical mechanisms that go on in the process of Alzheimer's disease, right? So in looking at all this, uh, they were looking at, because what where the uh, science was going was to understand what was going on at a, a syn- synaptic level. In other words, the synapses, mm-hmm. right? So all the neurons, all the cells in our body have to connect, and the connection area is called a synapse. That's where mm-hmm. the transmission of information is going on, and it's a very vital Uh, dynamic area with a lot of receptors and a lot of messages going through and then there's stuff inside the cells that are you know making all that happen with um, mitochondrial function mitochondria the Mm -hmm. energy producing organelles in the cell so that's a very important aspect of the risk for alzheimer's disease but Getting back to the synapse, you know, the mitochondria drive a lot of what the energy that is required for the synapse. But at the synapse, they were starting to see that those were really the uh, beginning places of the disease process of Alzheimer's. Uh, And they looked at receptors and they saw that insulin was uh, a problem when uh, insulin function uh, started to go downhill. Uh, because insulin is uh, a prime signaling molecule in the brain that uh, facilitates a lot of learning and memory processes, along with other uh, receptors and mm-hmm. other other mechanisms. But it's a very key one. So they started to say, well, wait a second. Um, insulin dysfunction in the brain is a real uh, issue in terms of a risk for, you know, cognitive decline and dementia as one ages. Uh, and they characterized it as an insulin resistance, uh, similar to the insulin resistance that's in the body, but, but it's different, okay? It's an insulin resistance, but not the exact same thing that happens in type 2 diabetes. And along with that, there's another interesting phenomenon in the brain that actually a lot of people are born with. It's called glucose hypometabolism. And what that means is that you're not able to utilize glucose Mm -hmm. as an energy substrate as well as the next person that doesn't have that problem. A lot of people are born with it. And as a matter of fact, the APOE4 genetic marker, that's actually an indicator. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so glucose hypometabolism is associated with APOE4, and they've done lots of studies on this, and they've seen this in children, you know, so they've seen this in children and teenagers through um, PET scans, and uh, so they were able to really uh, 
isolate this phenomenon. And now, James, what a lot of the research is saying is that glucose hypometabolism and mitochondrial dysfunction actually characterizes the very earliest uh, stages of Alzheimer's disease. It's called called the preclinical stage. And in the preclinical, like the name uh, somewhat denotes, is that there's no symptoms. So wow. it's, it's, it's symptom-free, but there's a disease. Sure. Yeah, there's disease process, uh, processes or other processes going on in the brain that, um, you know, can lead to uh, cognitive decline and eventual diagnosis of a dementia. Mm-hmm. So when you put glucose hypermetabolism into the picture and type 2 diabetes, you know, you're not able to utilize glucose anymore that effectively, right? And then there's an insulin resistance pattern like type 2 diabetes. So they started to say, hey, this looks like a diabetes of the brain, right? So they said, um, we're going to, uh, you know, uh, we're going to say that this is like a type 3 diabetes. And from there, that one study uh, went on to uh, you know, encourage lots of other studies that wanted to look at this whole phenomenon. And so there's been a lot of research on this, um, this theory. And it's actually been quite exciting because it's uh, really been a focus point of a lot of research that has revealed uh, a lot of the underlying mechanisms of Alzheimer's disease that's as one so, ages. Yeah, that's so fascinating. You know, I, I heard a little bit about type 3 before, but yeah, you explained it really well. I, I really do appreciate that. Unfortunately, we only have a few more minutes, but to give us some of the risk factors that some people may have to look out for for, uh, for Alzheimer's. Well, as, as I mentioned earlier, like in my book, the main point that I make there is that you really have to look at <clears throat> Uh, chronic disease as you age, uh, and you know, two of the most common ones are type two diabetes <clears throat> and heart disease. Excuse mm-hmm. me. And those two uh, uh, disease processes are very clearly uh, linked to an increased association for Alzheimer's disease. For example, over fifty percent of the people with type two diabetes go on to develop dementia. And so there's lots of statistics like that, that um, and lots of, uh, you know, science that, that backs the association of why those two disease processes uh, raise your risk for dementia. Now, a- along with those two disease processes, and there are other factors that contribute to it, but inflammation and oxidative stress. So by now, most people listening are are familiar with the idea of a low-grade inflammation in the body Mm -hmm. that can be caused by a lot of things, including uh, diseases that um, are, you know, associated with chronic inflammation. Again, type 2 diabetes and heart disease are two of the biggest ones that are very common in people as they age. And the problem with those uh, disease processes is a lot of people aren't aware of it, you know, like... Yeah, 10% of the diabetics aren't even aware that they're diabetic until they're diagnosed for some Mm -hmm. reason or other. And uh, similarly uh, with heart disease, you know, that can brew for years and years before somebody understands that they have a problem. And along with all of that disease process, there's a lot of inflammation and an associated phenomenon that's called oxidative stress. And when you have a lot of inflammation, going on in your body, you're producing a lot of uh, free radicals through that process. Mm -hmm. 
free radicals have to be controlled by antioxidants, and that's why antioxidants are so important. And so if you don't have enough antioxidants through your diet and through supplements, uh, then the inflammation and the free radical processes are going to dominate, and you're going to create an environment that's called oxidative stress. Yes, exactly. just yeah, which just simply means that you don't have enough antioxidants in your body to counter the issues related to oxidation and inflammation. And one of the main antioxidants that for vitamins is vitamin E. I mean, that's definitely one that people can take to really help them reduce the antioxidants as well. And as far as the, the one's diet, they can also get it in blueberries and those types of um, yes. types of berries overall. Sure. Yeah. Well, you you mentioned two key uh, approaches there. There's the core one ones, which are vitamin E and vitamin C, Mm -hmm. Uh, they contribute to what's called glutathione synthesis in the body. So there's a lot of precursors for glutathione. It's important to keep your glutathione levels very high. It's the primary antioxidant that your body produces. And then in my second book, The Improved Mind Diet, I actually focus on the food aspect. Oh, interesting. Yeah, of providing anti-inflammatory, antioxidant protection to your brain as you age. And that book uh, emanated from uh, studies, excuse me, that encouraged the approach to a dietary model for the uh, risk reduction of Alzheimer's disease. And they coined it the MIND diet studies. There were two of them. And they showed a significant reduction of uh, Alzheimer's disease by an approach, a dietary approach, that was even uh, more successful than, say, the Mediterranean diet alone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's incredibly fascinating. Unfortunately, we don't have any more time, but we could go on about this all day. I mean, I'm truly fascinated by this. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you, Ralph, and this amazing book that you've written, The Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease, where would they find this information online? Well, it'll, it's up on Amazon, and uh, they can also go to the alzheimerssolution.com. And we created a page for your readers. Oh, yes. Yeah, the alzheimerssolution.com forward slash lifeology. Oh, great. Okay. And on that page, there are a few things there that might be of interest to your, to your followers. I developed a, a personal a self-assessment form where they can get a quick little uh, impression on, you know, various risk factors that are associated with uh, dementia as you age. And then if they want to get a little bit more information about the results, another option there is to schedule a complimentary discovery session with me where I can give them a little bit more insight. Oh, that's great. And then the third is in the Improved Mind Diet, I'm asking people to... Uh, do a review for me on that book. So I will offer that book at no charge if uh, they promise to do, give me a review on it. So there's three things there that might be of interest to your followers. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. My listeners, you know that I always put um, my my guest book in the store at jamesmillerlifeology.com. So if you're not able to find any other place, just simply, once again, go to the store at jamesmillerlifeology.com and you can look for this amazing book entitled The Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease. Ralph Sanchez, thank you so much for being a phenomenal guest on my show today. I really appreciate your time. 
And thank you so much, James. It was an honor to be here with you. I really appreciate your time and the opportunity to talk. Thank you. Thank you. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.